So in the, the current trend of gray productivity, you put out like another video. Like what no, has happened? We, no, we can't start here. Okay. We can't start here, Mike. We have to start with how ungodly hot it is right now so that the people, the people understand what we're doing for them. Okay. Put this into context for people. <laughs> yeah, because you, you want to just start out the nice show, but all I can think about is how uncomfortable and sweaty I am right now. Yeah, it's pretty bad, right? <laughs> I don't I don't think the people understand how much podcasting work is hot, sweaty work under the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually you're recording in a room and you're trying to isolate that room from sound. So you've insulated it. So it becomes very warm anyway. Like, under normal circumstances, I always take a shower after I finish podcasting because I just feel gross and exhausted and sweaty. But today is, it's a record high in London temperature. My my watch says it's 92 degrees right now where I am. And where are you? Uh, well, I'm at 93. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which is, you know, I don't usually deal in that temperature, so it's like 33 degrees mm-hmm. Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds more impressive when you say it's 93 than yeah, 33. Yeah. Yes, this is one of the very many reasons why the Fahrenheit scale is obviously superior. But yes, it is way too hot. It is way too hot. And we are recording this podcast anyway for the people. But it might be shorter than normal because I don't know how long we're going We're going to last. You at least have air conditioning. I'm sitting here in a room with all the windows closed. The doors mm-hmm. closed, and I have no fan or air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So, if there is, if at any point I start to hallucinate during the episode, I just need you to just bring me back from that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Thank you. I, I I do, however, just want to say that when Americans will hear air conditioning, they will imagine a nice scenario, but that is not at all. That is not at all what I have right now. I have one of those wheelie around roly portable air conditioners that i have put in the main room of my house and that is attempting to cool down the the house but it really hasn't i was trying to find a thermometer but i'm willing to bet that even with the air conditioner it's it has to be 85 degrees or warmer in the house which is just not not good it's not good at all <laughs> english english homes are just not built to deal with with warm temperatures no it's well it wouldn't every- make any sense because like yeah i've seen we it hasn't been this hot here in like eight years it was the last time we had this english people always talk about how it doesn't make any sense but it does make sense because the summers are always awful every year but ev- everywhere <laughs> everywhere in england just is like oh we'll just we'll just get right we'll just get right through this and and pretend like each summer is some unique experience but it's always like this it's Stiff always up a lip gray come on no, no. <laughs> I was, my uh, the, my house setup. I'm just going to complain a little bit more because hot temperatures are a particularly thing that just I, I can't stand. My house setup. I live on the top floor, and on where my office is, the ceiling is slanted, and it has nice big slanted windows that the sun pours mm. directly into. Mm. And my office and my bedroom are on the same side of the house. So even on mildly sunny days, the one half of my house is just 
way hotter than it can possibly be. So the, uh, my apartment then is is divided into those those two rooms on one side, and then the main room is is like down a little hallway on the other side. And I just feel like I have abandoned that section of the house. Right, that's just a lost cause of not going in there. I've just brought everything that I need into the main room of my house. I have my podcasting gear here. I have my laptop here. Everything, everything that I thought oh that I could possibly need from the bedroom or from the office, I brought it out in the morning. It's like we're just leaving that. That's just gone. It's just it's a it's a, it's a lost cause. If I can make if I can make a really nerdy analogy. My office is Osgiliath, which has fallen to the enemy of heat, and I have retreated to Minas Tirith in my main room and barricaded everything against the door to just try to keep the heat out. But it is it is not working. So that's where I am right now. I came upstairs. I've been working downstairs, and I, it's been fine. I didn't even need any windows open. Like it's For some reason, the downstairs of my house is always the perfect temperature. It's perfectly warm in the winter and perfectly cool in the summer. I ne- will never understand why my front room is the way that it is, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I came upstairs to record thinking it would be okay. I closed the window here because I don't want any street noise to come in mm-hmm. and sat down, and within five minutes... I have been reduced to a big puddly mess. <laughs> I don't I don't really know why my house is built the way that it is, but there is some extreme temperature issue here. <laughs> yeah, so that's so that's where we are. Now now that we've complained about the heat, now we can try to pretend like it's a normal show. <laughs> a normal, though probably much shorter than normal show. <laughs> can we talk about then the last YouTube video you'll ever make? <laughs> because this is the end of Grey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you did put a video, another one out. Like, you know, we were talking about you posting videos, and then you ended up just posting another video, like the day that the episode came out last week. Yeah, that happened to work out quite nicely. That our our last episode ended up being called Posting Day, in which I talked about what I do when I post a video, and I had a video to post on that day. It was uh, entirely coincidental. That was not planned. It just worked out that way, but it was kind of nice. So you weren't doing one of your I'm going to be secret scenarios? No, no. We we recorded uh, on Wednesday, right, yep, I think? Wednesday. Yes. And that video was a shockingly fast turnaround because I didn't start it until Thursday night. So I didn't even know when we were recording our podcast that I was going to put up a video, but... That's uh, that's what ended up happening, and this one has now taken the record for the fastest I have ever made a video, displacing the previous record holder, which was the net neutrality video, which I think I did from start to finish. It was two and a half days, maybe three days. Yeah, I think maybe I started on a on a Friday evening and had it up on a Monday. That was my previous record. Did this one feel like like six weeks of work in two days, or was it relatively easier to produce? compared to other stuff that you do. I don't know how to say what I'm what I'm about to say without sounding kind of like an idiot or or like an airy fairy person, but I'm not an airy fairy person. So let's look at that. Let's get that straight. Uh, I wouldn't have my, guessed that about you. That's my that's my preface to now possibly sounding like I believe in magic. But <laughs> <laughs> I if if you talk to anybody who makes their living in a creative field. And I mean creative in the broadest of all possible ways. That you are making a thing that hasn't been made before and you're going to share it with an audience. 
very often people in creative fields, particularly writing, will talk about being visited by the muse where it feels like there is an additional thing that is just helping you along to make this thing that you're making. Now, obviously, there isn't any actual additional force that's helping you with the video, but it is a useful way to think about it on occasion. And this was one of those cases where I started writing the video on Thursday night, and it was a, it was a total being visited by the muse moment where the writing just went extraordinarily well the first time. And then uh, on the when I uh, went over it, you know, an hour later, I was able to edit it really well and then pull it all together. And there were a couple of little places where the story was working out very nicely. All of this just fell into place. And why that happens sometimes and not other times is this is this unknowable thing. But when it works, it really feels like, oh, wow, there's a little creative muse on my shoulder, which is just whispering into my ear all of these great things to do. And so that that is entirely the reason why I was able to turn that around so quickly. It's just everything went extraordinarily smoothly, which is not normally the case. I understand that, like... There are times where I'm working on something and like just for some reason I have received this flash of inspiration that I can't quite explain. Mm-hmm. And it's different to normal. Yeah, or it's yeah, it's not even necessarily inspiration. There's uh there's a friend of mine who also works in, in the writing field who I've I've spoken to about this and he writes short passages in the in the same way that I do. And he has said the same thing that I do, that, that you can spend two or three weeks writing and rewriting something, but that it is, it is very strange how some writing sessions are just golden and you can have an hour or two hours that is clearly worth two or three work, weeks of, of normal work. That, is, that it's, it's just worth this multiple of what you normally do. And you want every time you sit down to write to be like that. But for whatever reason, it just that does not that does not always happen. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm interested in being really efficient with my writing. Boy, I would love to have that be every single time. But I've never been able to figure out why that happens. Um, But yeah, so with this one, I just got extraordinarily lucky. And over the years, I've gotten a little bit better about knowing how to cheat with the animation if I'm really in a hurry to make it look uh, to make it look okay by even by doing uh, way less than I normally would. And so it was those two things combined that allowed me to get it out so fast. The little tricks that you've learned. Yeah, it's it's just from from uh, paying attention to feedback that people have about the videos and seeing what things people notice or learning ways to make it uh, to squeeze some animation out of simpler stuff. I don't always do it, but when I'm in a rush, there's some shortcuts that I can take where I I think, oh, I would animate this more if I had more time, but I can get it looking fine pretty fast if if I absolutely need to. But, But again, this is also the case of sometimes I run into a real problem with the animations and that can derail stuff. And so this is, I just lucked out that I didn't run into any of those kinds of problems. There was 
one of the little things I knew that I wanted in the video is at the very end, there's a scene where the, the Confederacy surrenders and the flag falls to pieces and it just leaves the white surrender flag uh, um, on the screen. And that was the only part I was a little bit worried about how to try to make that look okay and make that look good. But it, it worked out just fine. And so, yeah, I got a video out very quickly is the end of that story. My favorite part of the video um, is when you're showing the part about the, was it the nation of Florida or something? What is it called? Oh, the Republic of West Florida. That's it. And then uh, you say like the, and, but the US put an end to that. Like the, the stick figure just like slides in from the side of a gun. I just thought <laughs> it was really funny. I just really like that bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, that was one of the other things when I'm doing these projects, I, sometimes I, I'm looking for facts that let me make a video and, the Republic of West Florida was one of those details I found very quickly on Thursday night that really felt like, yes, this is an excellent thing to have in a video. Without the Republic of West Florida, this is a much less interesting video. And so it just had the, like those things all came up in the in the right way. And so when I came across that, I was like, OK, great, I have this. I know the animation that I want at the end with the surrender flag. Uh, I was able to work in this little pattern of. 78 days later and then 36 days later so the beginning and the end are somewhat similar as able to allude to the surrender in the middle that happens at the end so just everything just went really great and normally that takes weeks and weeks and weeks for me to make something that that i think is is that good so i was quite happy with this video actually i'm i'm very pleased with the way it came out let's uh let's let's actually address some follow-up from mm. uh the sh from last week's episode um the great perspective zoom debate um, I think has maybe been put to sleep now. I think we have the result after basically for the entire week receiving contrasting feedback from people. Um, you know, some people would say something, one thing, one person would say another thing. I just want to interject, Mike, before you give the correct answer. I want to thank the audience for sending all of this feedback to you. Yep. Because they didn't send it to me. And I really appreciated that. I asked on the last episode, please don't send me on Twitter all of your screenshots that look nearly identical. It all went to Mike. Yep, I, I got think a lot of that it. is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of real details to look into of yes. people's home screens. So thank you, audience. I appreciate that. I also appreciate it. There we go. I like to hear from, from the Cortex people. But a friend of the show, Mr. Underscore David Smith... Mm -hmm. He's is a great guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a developer, and he looked into this for me. And he basically posted in the Reddit uh, what I consider to be the categorical proof of how this stuff works. And he mm -hmm. even made this like diagram of some description that I don't fully understand, but it looks complicated enough that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, he settled it as this: right, if you have reduced motion as off things will move around no matter what you do with perspective zoom. So basically the only way to stop things from moving is to have reduced motion on and, but then perspective zoom, it doesn't even matter. Perspective zoom does nothing. To turn and reduce motion on, wallpaper doesn't move, icons won't move, you can align perfectly. But if you have reduced motion turned off, no matter what you do, stuff will move around. Whether the wallpaper will move or the icons will move, something will move. So the only way you can stop everything from moving is by turning reduced motion on. So what you're saying is I was right. That's what this sounds like. Because I had I had reduced motion on and I was convinced that my icons were not moving. Is that is that what you're saying here? I'm, I thought you said you had it off. No, I had it on. Oh. 
I think I did. Uh, now well, I don't. Now I don't remember. When you when you <laughs> open apps and close folders, do they zoom away or is there like a swipe on the screen? Oh no, you're right. You're right. It, it, it does the it does the animations, which means reduced motion is off. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Which means so I was right. That you your were icons right. are moving. You just can't see them moving because okay. you have a black background or a dark background or or whatever. But they are moving around there. Okay, so then the problem is really with my eyes. That's what you're saying. My eyes are not sharp enough to register the motion, but the motion is happening. Yeah, unfortunately, your eyes don't register the motion. You're kind of like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Like, I thought the T-Rex only sees motion. Yeah. Yeah, but then that, that, makes, that, that analogy makes no sense. Then I should only see the icons when they do move. You're like, okay, you're like the opposite of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> This is going very. This is going very well. Look, uh, it's really hot here. Okay, <laughs> all I can think about is dinosaurs. <laughs> but yes, I, I can see underscore David Smith's comment on the Reddit, which goes through all the options of what's going to happen. He is a very knowledgeable guy, and mm-hmm. he has a thousand apps. So I will, I will trust him. He has so many apps. I actually, I even used one of his apps in one of my videos, just without even knowing it was his. It was, uh, I took a screenshot of the weather app when I was in Las Vegas, intending to use it in my Las Vegas video. And I didn't even know that that was an underscore David Smith app. Who knows? I could have 20 apps on my phone that are underscore David Smith. So he makes so many. Anyway, thanks, uh, underscore David Smith. Average Batman, uh, along with many people on the Reddit, questioned you in regards to your clothing requirements as to why mm-hmm. don't you just go to a tailor? Like, Because there are many tailors in London, like in Savile Row, and you can just get a custom shirt made, and then you could just get a bunch more made if you wanted. Like, why don't Why don't you go ahead and do something like that? Have you thought? Had you thought of doing that, like to go to a tailor and tell them your requirements and have them make it, rather than trying to build an entire industrial factory? Yeah, so this never occurred to me as a solution to think of, oh, tailors, they exist. <laughs> I, think in, I think in my mind, I imagine tailors as an 18th century thing of before we had factories, we used to have to have people handmaking the clothes in every major city in the world and you would, you would go to them to make the clothes and that's where the clothes came from. <laughs> so it just, it did not occur to me that tailors were something that really existed but when they pointed out that this is on Savile Row, I also realized that I have walked down that street many a time and looked right at the tailors. And I think it's like my brain was photoshopping it all away of, of like, oh, this, they can't be really making clothes in there. They're just clothing stores that are trying to give the impression that they're old fashioned as a, as a branding maneuver. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's what my brain was thinking. So. I thought this was this was an interesting suggestion. I've never been to a tailor. I have no idea how much it would cost, but I bet it would probably cost less than trying to build a factory. Yes. To make uh, yes. However, however <laughs> much it costs, uh, it will be cheaper than building a factory, uh, buying machinery, and employing right. people to make twenty five shirts. Maybe yeah, for twenty twenty five <laughs> shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I feel like that would not sit very well in the gray spreadsheet system for ROI there. That would be terrible ROI. But, so maybe I, maybe I will try this. The thing is, I have also received uh, very many links uh, from people if, who have sent me uh, various t-shirts or, sorry, various colored shirts that seem to match the description that I gave last time. I've collected all of those links in uh, a note and I'm going to go through them at some point and see what those shirts look like and 
possibly place some orders. But if that doesn't work, tailors. They are an excellent, excellent option, maybe. So feedback in the future. My quest to find a, an acceptable black collared shirt. Thank you, everyone. Maybe we can do it in conjunction with London Fashion Week or something. Does London have a fashion week? Yeah, yes, of course it does. What do you mean, of course it does? Why, why of course? <laughs> because it's one of the fashion centers of the world. Our fashion week, I, I don't know anything about this. Is fashion week a, a thing? Is yeah. it a thing that happens in cities? Yeah, it's a big thing. It's not big enough? I haven't heard of this. Other than trying to start your own brand, I don't think you're very clued into the fashion world in general. Yeah, but, you know, people say, oh, it's very big. Is it? I don't know what this thing is. That's all I'm saying. Is is there a New York Fashion Week? Yes. Is there a Hong Kong Fashion Week? Yeah, I think so. Yes. What's it, is there a, a Dayton, Ohio Fashion Week? Uh, probably, but nobody knows about it unless they live in Dayton, Ohio. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Daniel via Twitter also sent in a link to this website. I think it's a German website where you can customize and create your own shirt from a selection of options. Oh, custom shirt configurator. Mm-hmm. I feel like the configurator should have a K. I think it should be cool. like conqueror. Uh-huh. Did you ever use Conqueror back in the day? Was that the uh, the games thing? I'm thinking of uh, on Linux. Conqueror oh. was one of the interfaces. I didn't. I was not a Conqueror person. I was a GNOME person. But the, the, these are, as always on the internet, you have these arguments between computer people. Just so you have Apple versus Windows. It's like, oh, but even the even the people who use Linux, they have their own little holy wars that they have to fight. And Conqueror versus GNOME was one of those those things. But everything in Conqueror was with a K, which I thought was kadum. I've never seriously used Linux. You're not missing much. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not for normal people. That's all that's all I mean. If you if if you know if you're the kind of person who's using Linux, you already know that you're that person. But people I, I see Linux people sometimes saying, Oh, I'm gonna set up my mom with Linux. No, don't set up your mom with Linux. It's a terrible idea. If someone doesn't already know that they need Linux, they shouldn't be using Linux. That's why I say you're not missing anything. After talking about Reddit apps, uh, a, a selection of people suggested that I try out an app called Narwhal, mm-hmm. um, which is a very simple Reddit app, and I love it. Hmm. And it's now the app that I'm using. Uh, it has, an, like, I really like the UI. There's lots of swiping and stuff, and uh, it's set up in such a way that it's really, really easy for me to get to your subreddit, which is, like, the only thing that I have in Reddit. I have unsubscribed from all subreddits except for CGP Grey so far. <laughs> I tried. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> I've added a couple and then had to remove them, like, basically within five minutes because it's just too much for me right now. Um, mm. But it does some really cool stuff. Like, when you click on the, um, like the little thread, it the comments are like below and you can swipe up and the web page sits behind it. It's quite nice. So you can swipe down and see the web page that it's linked to and then swipe up to see the comments. Um, I really like it, but it is iPhone only. That's the only problem that I have. But, oh, yeah, no. yeah. So I'm, I'm using, I'm still using iAlien on the iPad, um, mm. but I'm now using Narwhal on the iPhone and I, and I like it very much. Mm. Mm. I have spoken to the developers of the app and they tell me that iPad is coming at some point, but that could be could be seven years away for all I know. Yeah, you can never trust developers when they say, oh, it's coming at some point. Or just in general, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all it means when they say it's coming is they have a they have a text file somewhere where they've written iPad app in that text file as, as one of a thousand potential things to do. That's all that means. It's on a whiteboard. 
Yeah, that's right. KD131313 on, on the Reddit uh, wanted to know something in regards to the way that you post videos to social media. Like, do you use anything like if to do that? Or do you, I don't know, like buffer or anything? Or do you just post them all manually? Okay, f- first of all, just so people know. That's how I say it. Know what the heck you're talking about. They're asking about if this, then that, mm-hmm. which is a, an automating web service. It might be the best way to describe it. I mean, it exists on iPhone and iPad as well, but it is a, a service that is designed to, if something happens, do something else. So I do use if this, then that for a couple of things, one of which is I have a Twitter account, which automatically tweets anything that I post to my website. And it's the CGP Grey blog, I think, is the name of that Twitter account. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But that that I set up automatically so that when I post something on my website, a minute or two later, that Twitter account automatically fires off a tweet. And I do the same thing with the Hello Internet Twitter account so that when we post a new show, the Hello Internet Twitter account will automatically post as well, saying that there is a new show. But I don't do that... I don't do that with the videos because it's just it's not really saving me much because the the video posting doesn't happen all that often. And that is the the kind of thing that I want to have more fine grained control over. I don't always feel like I want to post on Twitter straight away that the video is up Uh, in no small part because Twitter is not the best place to get feedback. It's just it tends to be a wall of people talking so I sometimes wait until a little later in the day to actually post on Twitter when I can then pay a bit more attention to what is happening on Twitter as opposed to focusing on Reddit, which is my main focus when the video first goes up. Can I complain about If This and That for a minute? Yes. I hope there's a developer at If This and That listening right now. I I don't understand why they don't yet have additional logic operators as part of if this then that do you know logic mike no more than what we use to edit our podcasts with okay not that logic this Mm -hmm. is the good kind of logic logic is the simplest kind of programming that can exist so right now if this then that all it can do is exactly what the title is if a new episode of hello internet goes up then post on this twitter account that it's gone up That's useful, but it would be infinitely more useful if they added logic operators, which are things like and or or. So you could do something. I mean, one of the things that they have they try to sell you on is is like weather notifications or something. But you want to you want to be able to say if a certain weather condition is uh, the case and it is a particular time then send me a notification. You want to be able to combine stuff into a bit more of a sentence. And if they've if they've programmed it to be able to do if and then, adding and or adding or does not seem like it's a big deal. And I, I keep waiting for this to appear because it would vastly, vastly increase the utility of if this, then that. Because it would turn it into a very very simple programmable thing where you could have people adding blocks of and or 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 not so that you could make more complicated conditions 
for when things are going to happen. And it just, speaking of developers and when features are coming, I find it mind-blowing that this, that if this and that has been around for as long as it has, and it hasn't added what is the most obvious, most useful next feature. So I'm, I'm really, I keep my fingers crossed for logical operators in if this, then that. But I feel like maybe they're never going to come. It's, it's just strange. I find it very strange. This week's episode of Cortex is brought to you very kindly by the lovely people over at Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It has been my place of choice for as long as I can remember needing to register domain names in a way that didn't make me want to tear my hair out because I've used people in the past and have not been happy. And Hover.com, they give me everything that I need. They allow me to very quickly go in and search for a domain name. Maybe I have an idea for something funny or I have an idea for a project or something something serious that I want to be working on. They have a very simple, fast and hassle-free method of searching and buying domains. And this is why I love them. They don't like you look through a thousand screens with a ton of add-ons thrown up at you at every hurdle with super high prices. They don't have any of that at hover.com. They just let you get in, select what you need, buy it and get on with building your ideas. I have honestly registered hover.com domains in like 30 seconds. It's just insane how quickly you can get in and they have all you want as well. They have all the TLD you'd expect like .com, .co, .net, .me, all of them. They have every single one that you could ever wish for. They have over 200 options at hover.com and their .com domains start at $12.99. They also include Whois Privacy for free with all of Hover's domains. Wherever it's applicable to the TLD, they will just put it on for free for you. They don't believe that you should have to pay to keep your private information private, unlike some other companies. Hover have fantastic support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone phone support policy. They're super famous for this and that's a great reason why. When you call Hover, you'll be talking to an actual human being. You don't have to talk to a robot. But if you do prefer robots like Gray does, they also have great email support as well, along with some great documentation and guides in case you need anything. And don't forget, Hover have a valet service. Now, Hover's valet service is really cool. Say you have 10, 20, 30, 200 domains somewhere else and you want to move them over to Hover to take advantage of all of the great stuff that they do. You just let Hover know it's what's something that you want to do and they will move them all for you for free. So, no matter how many domains you have, no matter how many domains you want, go to Hover.com right now and try them out. You want to use the code BRAINS, B-R-A-I-N-S, at checkout and you will get yourself 10% off your first purchase over at Hover.com. Com. And you'll also be showing your support for this show and Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover for their help today. Table Lamp Ottoman on the Reddit would like to know what you do during video rendering time and like when you're uploading stuff. Like what's happening in these long periods of time where you're rendering a video or uploading it or processing it? Like what sort of tasks do you undertake? Are you working during those times? Do you take breaks during those times? Uh. Uh, I'm trying to let's see if I can say some of the exact things that I do. This is this is one of the uh, one of the ways in which I like to play around with the checklists because yes, when I'm done animating a video and I've I've synchronized all the animations to the audio and I'm going to export it, it takes a little while. It doesn't take too long because my videos are relatively short. But I don't know, maybe it takes 10 or 20 minutes because I also now I also now render the videos at 4K and 60 frames per second, which people sometimes think is a, is a bit excessive. But I like doing it that way because why not? It doesn't cost me anything to do it. 
I've, I've played around with the checklist to move different things to different times. And the thing that I normally do while I'm waiting for it to export is I am creating the video thumbnail, which I usually leave until the end because very often I'm just modifying one particular frame of the video to be the actual thumbnail. And then I am also getting the uh, email list ready during that time. Right. So I, I, do, I do think that when you are grinding through options, it is very useful to to think about things that you can do while something else is happening. That always feels doubly productive to me to be able to do something while something else is happening, which I will mention one of the dumbest psychological tricks that I use on myself, but that is totally effective. When I'm not feeling really productive, I like to run the dishwasher or run a load of laundry because then I feel like I'm getting twice as much done if I'm working right now because I'm doing something and my washing machine robot is also cleaning the clothes. And somehow it feels like the work counts twice as much when I'm doing it this way. It's one of the the weirdest little tricks, but it is definitely effective that to get myself started sometimes when I don't feel like doing something in the afternoon, I just say, you can run a load of laundry, right? And yeah, okay, I can put some laundry in, and then I start it, and then and then I feel like, well, while I'm doing the laundry, I might as well do this other stuff, and it just yeah, it feels like it's a it's like a two x modifier in a video game to do work while also doing the laundry or the dishes. I'm very confused. So you have work to do, and you procrastinate from the work by doing some housework. No, 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 and no, then no, no. You no, procrastinate no, no. from the housework by doing more work. No, no, what? I, <laughs> That's that's not exactly it. What I what I'm the situation that I'm talking about is usually an afternoon and what this is is like a starter motor problem. Afternoons are not very good working time for me, but very often I have things that I want to grind through anyway. And the laundry is this little trick to get things moving. I'm not ah. right? It's it's that I don't really want to get started, but the laundry is a very simple task to just start. It is totally mindless, and I just do it, and then it feels like it counts more when I am doing other work. Um, it's it's a bit like I like to work really early in the mornings, and I think there's something really nice about getting up early and doing work, and somehow if I if I'm writing a script before other people are awake it's that same feeling of i don't know why but it, it feels like it counts for more doing it while other people are asleep like this work counts twice as much it obviously doesn't it's you know i'm not actually getting twice as much done but it just feels like there's a like there's a 2x modifier on top of my activity when this is happening there's just this idea in my mind that like you set the washing machine on or the dishwasher on and then you're like well other robots are working i guess i should be too (laughs) honest to god that is that is probably a good way (laughs) to summarize it that is exactly right if i had a roomba i would set that going as well the more robots that could be doing work around the house the more likely i am to be doing work around the house so today i want to talk a little bit about taking time off oh do we have a topic today is that what we're doing this is the topic today. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about kind of like entertainment as well in part of that. 
So, because we've spoken about putting out videos, and you mentioned that, like, once you do that, you take a little time. Like, you take, like, your video weekend, right, where you just veg out and, and just do whatever. So, is this the only time that you carve out for relaxation during, like, a regular schedule? What I currently have is Saturdays. I'm not perfect about this, but this year I have been trying to reserve saturdays as a work doesn't need to happen today um day off and usually that means hanging out with my wife on saturdays but i have been far from perfect with that because work still often intrudes and because i uh usually upload the videos on monday tuesdays or wednesdays it's very easy for work to bleed over into the weekend Sure. But I have I have definitely gotten better over time at actually reserving Saturdays as a day off. Now on on my layout of the week, I do have the other six days blocked out that work occurs on those days. Different kinds of work at different time. There's a whole there's a cycle to it. But yes, the other six days of the week are blocked out as as work days uh, to some extent. Like on Sunday, it's it's a bit flexible, but the mornings uh, at the very least are blocked out. So I guess to answer your question, aside from the Saturdays, yes, the time after the video is is the the time that I really take as as downtime. And that is that is officially worked into the schedule in the sense that it just I just blow off whatever's on my calendar for the next few days after a video goes up. I just say, okay, as long as I don't have, appointments with anyone in person i'm going to ignore what else is on the calendar here or what else i would normally be doing on a tuesday morning i think that well we definitely have very very different ways of approaching this mm -hmm. um so on an average day i i work very late into the evenings um well your, your whole schedule is weirdly shifted into the evening because most of the people you work with are not only Americans like myself, but Americans in America. So you yeah. have to live halfway on an American schedule. Yeah. Because you, you record, like with Jason Snell, you record it. He's on the, the West Coast. I mean, what on earth time do you guys record together? Oh, we he does. He records, luckily, quite early. We record at like 7 p.m. or something. Mm -hmm. So that's that must be morning time for him. The West Coast is the worst to try to coordinate with, with London. That is the worst mismatch. That yeah, I'm very lucky that, that one, Jason works for himself so he can pick his hours because if he worked at a job, I, we wouldn't be able to do it because he would get home at like 5, 6 p.m. and then I, you know, it's basically the next day. Um, <laughs> and, mm. and, uh, so, and he, you know, graciously recalls quite early in the day, which makes it, doable i mean i have some shows where the recording begins at 11 p.m London oh time. my god um so quite frequently uh i am awake uh working maybe until like 1 a.m 2 a.m sometimes 3 or 4 depending on what's happening hmm. so i work i work quite weird hours but i wake up most days relatively early like between 8 30 and 9 um, and that's mainly just to see my girlfriend in the morning and to let her out of the house. Like it's just something that I like to be able to do. Um, <laughs> to let her to let her out of the house. It just <laughs> yeah. She she has. It's not like I keep the keys from her. You phrase that in a very cat like way. Oh, she's at the back door <laughs> meowing, 
and you're going to let her out of the house. If I don't prepare her meals for her in the morning and open the door, she just gets right. stuck in the house. No, um, oh god, uh, I basically just wake up and then I see her off in the morning. You know. Okay. It's yes. just something that I, I like to do because I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that typically I'm awake then. So effectively the first couple of hours of the day, in most days, I don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe watch some TV or I, uh, well, I have my breakfast and I read Twitter and I, you know, maybe play a video game. Like I tend to just tool around until it gets close to lunchtime. Right, mm-hmm. so usually like eleven a.m. is when from then on is when I actually start to do any real work most days, um, and I'm pretty good at giving myself breaks where I need to in the day if if I want to. You know, I'm I'm, I'm I feel and I say pretty good at that because it means I don't work constantly because I work really really weird hours. Well, um, how many if if I have scheduled six days a week of of work happens at some point on those days. How many days a week do you have that work occurs on? Five. Five. Typically. take the weekends off? Is that the way that works? Typically, yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I always do a little bit of work on Sunday evening. Um, I have a show that I edit on Sunday evening. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I work on the weekends if my girlfriend needs to work, mostly. Mm -hmm. unless, Unless something crazy is happening and I ask her if she's okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I will do some work on the weekends because that time uh, is carved out to spend with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very important to us. So I basically turn over my whole weekends mostly for us to spend time together. And I do that happily because it's also what I would want to do. I would go crazy, I think, otherwise. Because uh, because of the weird hours that I work, we never really get to see each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like locked away recording and she comes home and then it's like 11 p.m. And then I sneak out for like five minutes and, you know, then I'm back to work again. So the weekends are very important to us that that I get those. So that's kind of the way that I work. So I tend to do five and a bit days of work, but my hours are all kinds of crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I make sure that I take time in there to to chill a bit, you know, and to relax because otherwise I think I'd go mad. Yeah, you go you go crazy if you don't take some yeah. time off. What kinds of activities do you tend to partake in in your relaxation time? Depend it depends a bit on well, it depends a bit on on what's happening, but in terms of hours spent in non-work relaxation mode, it's it's got to be gaming by far, just playing various video games. Like that's that is my big downtime activity and i have always i've always enjoyed video games ever since i was a kid but the the thing that i find really useful about them now as, as an adult is that they occupy the work part of my brain they keep it they keep it busy and so i feel like i can actually i can actually genuinely relax because how to put this so when i was when i was younger i i would also read a lot for relaxation but now i'm aware that because i mostly read non-fiction that activity is also still partly work like i, I don't read as much as i did when i was younger although i still read 
But I'm aware of how that is not a 100% downtime activity. Like I, I schedule work, uh, I schedule uh, reading into my day because it's important. But it's also partly a work activity if I'm reading nonfiction because I'm I'm reading a book that's about a topic, and I'm always making highlights and notes and and saving things for the future. Or I'm I'm reading a book that's maybe about business and so now this is very directly related to work so that's why reading has has while it was used to be a a big amount of just relaxation time i i it's now become work in a way whereas video games there's no way to pretend like that's work it's just not it's just not going to happen and i find them engaging and enjoyable and it's just like yes this is 100% downtime you can't you can't fool yourself like you're working when you're when you're doing this so you really need to actually just be be able to be in a situation where you can just relax and unlike reading a book I don't have this thing in the back of my mind of like oh this is 20% work so that's that's one of the reasons why I tend to play them as my main relaxation time I totally get that about occupying the work part because you're you're working in some like you're working on a new thing, but the thing exists in the video game world. But yes. I'm the same. What it does is during that period of time, my brain is satisfied that it's accomplishing something, but I'm not thinking about yes. or stressing about the jobs that I actually have to do. Yes, that that is a perfect description of what it is, and I mean this is this is going to for people who don't play games. It's always a bit hard to de- hard to describe this, but I can say that. When I'm playing a game, I am actually doing the exact same thing that I'm doing when I'm working on a video in a way. So if you think about the high level of making a video, the the big task that I'm accomplishing is that I'm trying to figure something out and then be able to explain it to somebody else. And I I pick games, the kinds of games that I play are almost exclusively what what could be described as I sometimes joke that they're work simulators but they are hmm. system games where there's very little instruction you have a bunch of tools you have to put them together and you need to figure out how to make this whole thing work and so one of the games I was playing for a long time was called Prison Architect and that that was the same uh, this idea of you have to figure out how to make this prison run without it descending into into a riot but it occupies it like it makes that some part of my work brain feel good because it's like okay we're still doing the same thing we're figuring out something we're figuring out how this works in the same way that we figured out how do the how does the pope get elected and like that part of my brain feels like it needs to be always engaged and it's very hard to have that be engaged and also feel like I'm relaxing at this at the same time so that's that's why they're useful i and i, I and that's also why i i play a, a very particular genre of game and i'm always aware of how as soon as i have the game figured out i go through the same pattern every single time i know i'm nearing the end of my lifetime with this game because i start thinking i should put together a tutorial series on this game 
I've never actually <laughs> done this, right? I've I've yet to do this for any game, but I've done this with every single one. I go, I should put together a tutorial. And I'll start making some notes about like, oh, yeah, let me put together a tutorial on this. Oh, okay, yeah, here's, here's the quick start guide. Here's what you need to do. And I'm making notes. And almost always, halfway through that process, I, I, all of a sudden, I just lose total interest in the game. And then my brain switches and I go back to the next video because my brain goes, wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense to spend time on this tutorial series for this game because I lose interest the instant I figured it out. I just I, I drop games right away when I figure them out to to their full extent. And I shouldn't spend time making a tutorial series for a game that I'm no longer interested in. Now it's time to make a real video. And so this is this is the cycle. This is the cycle that occurs. Is it because the challenge is lost? Like why do you lose interest? It it's not the challenge. It's for me I am playing the games in a meta way. I'm playing it to figure out what the thing is um and it's, again it's very hard it's very hard to explain okay I'll, I'll use the example of the game i've been playing the past few days this has been my my game this time round after the confederate video i've been staying away from it because i thought it looked like a terribly ugly game i've said as much in the reddit but i had been playing a game called factorio which i have ended up quite liking even though it is hideous to look at but Factorio is a game where you are basically building factories. The oh, whole this does not look good. It is very ugly. <laughs> I have stayed away from it because of its hideousness uh, for a while. I thought, oh, I'll never play that. But I, I gave in and I thought, oh, you know what? I'll actually I'll give it a try because I wasn't quite finding anything that I liked. The whole game is just figuring out how to connect these various factories and assembly lines together to build other things and use the things that you've just built to build more complex things. And while the game in theory has its own purpose that the players might want, my feeling of playing the game is always, I don't really like to look at instructions very much. I don't really like to look at tutorials. I want to figure out how to make this thing go. And that's, that's one of the ways that I really like video games. It's it's totally unlike the only comparison I can think of here or the the best contrast I can think of is you couldn't sit down with a board game on your own without looking at the instruction manual and just figure out how it works. That's an impossible task. But a video game is an interesting system because you can just mess around with it and it pushes back against you. It lets you know when you're doing yeah. things wrong or when you're doing things right. And that that is the thing that I find engaging about it. It's not the game. It's pushing up against the boundaries of like, okay, if I do that, I die. And this is obviously the wrong thing to do. Or like, oh, I made this new thing here. Okay, great. What can this plug into? So it's all about figuring the thing out. And so a video game for me is... It's like a really complicated Rubik's Cube. Like you can figure out the pieces and how they work. And that that's what I find enjoyable. But as soon as I have it all figured out, it's it's always, oh, well, I don't want to actually play this game. <laughs> Where now that I know how everything works, I have no more interest in this thing. And that's 
and again, that's the same thing that happens with my videos. It's a bit, it's a bit weird when people want to talk to me about the videos later on, because very often I remember so little about the videos I put together years ago because the, I was trying to figure out what the thing was and it's like, Oh, I figured that out. And now that's, now that's done. But at least with the videos, I actually do produce a thing that people can look at. Unlike my video game tutorials, which I always think I'm going to make, but I never do. I want to come back to video games. I want to like talk to you about some of the other stuff that you play and, and recommend. Mm-hmm. But there, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to taking time off, and that's vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you take vacations uh, because you told me you were on one when mm-hmm. you went to Las Vegas. Um, yes. How often do you do do you take vacations? My wife and I went to Vegas in April and that was the first actual genuine this is 100% a vacation it's not partly work or it's not partly family vacation that we had taken in years. And that was again this this is Part of the changes that I'm trying to make in my life now is is this moving much more towards a life that I want to live. And my wife and I hadn't traveled in a, in a long time just to travel. And finally, this year, we felt like it was a more of a possibility. So I can't say that I, I, we have an answer to how often do we take vacations because we're just now in a position where it's something that we can actually start thinking about in a, in a much more deliberate way. Whereas in the, in the past few years, it was always, it, it was always uh, going to see family and then we're, we're sort of half doing a vacation then, but you're half seeing family, which is just a different experience or is something related to, to work. So I don't know how often we're going to do something like that. That's something we, we, still, we still have to figure out. I tried to take as many as possible. I left uni- college, what we what we call college here is 18. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is in America, I don't know. Sixth form college. Yeah, I, did, I didn't go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of got a job because I was going to take a break from university and then just liked getting money. So right. I've been like in, I was in full-time employment from the time that I was like 18 to 26, 27, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get the chance to do much traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went on some holidays here and there, but I never took the time that many people take before they get a real job to go and do any traveling. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in the position where I can kind of set my own schedule a bit more. I'm taking more, I'm traveling to more places uh, because luckily right now uh, I have the means to do that as well. Um so I'm making sure that I do that because I like I like to take vacations and breaks. But the problem is that, that what comes along with this is the fact that I can now never ever for the rest of my life take a proper vacation ever again because right. I am self-employed. Yes, you and you in particular have the schedule. You yep. you have shows that you're supposed to be recording. There are people who are waiting on you for things. This is the real trouble with being self-employed and so yes you you have more control over your day-to-day time but the, it definitely comes with this this trade-off that uh, i mean if you want to go to like you went to wwdc which is half a work thing that's not really a, a vacation anyway but you had to plan 
the week ahead, I'm, I'm presuming you were double recording shows. Like you have to do way more work before and after when you take a vacation as a self-employed person. Yep. And sometimes during, like we were recording shows whilst there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then also the other part of it is when I when I used to work in my mark, bank marketing job, Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of things that could happen. When I went away, I was able to hand over my work to somebody else to look after while I was gone. Yes. And also, when I was, as soon as I left that building, I could just stop thinking about it, and it was fine. Right. That does not happen now. I mean, I can hand over some elements of my job to, you know, like to Stephen, my co-founder, or to other people within Relay can look after some things for me, maybe cover some shows for me or whatever. Mm-hmm. But none of that takes away the fact that I'm constantly thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. There's no way to fully relax in that regard. It's like, what if something terrible happens? It's like, oh, you want to go on holiday? You also have to take your laptop in case something breaks. You just have right. to do that now. Like, I'm, I'm going away for a short break this weekend. And it's like, well, I have to take a ton of stuff with me in case something explodes and I need to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, I will be sneaking time where possible to check and respond to emails. And, you know, and it's it's not a great scenario. Like, look, it's not like a woe is me tale. It's just because I'm very, you know, as I said, I'm lucky that I'm able to do this stuff, but it is that thing. It's like the trade-off that you get from being able to do this stuff and go on these trips and, and kind of set your own schedule that way is that you can never truly take a real vacation again. Yes, this this is the the big difference. And... It's the thing that I am most aware of being different in my post-teacher self-employed life is this constant awareness that there is always more work that can be done. There is always more that you could do for the business. And it's a it's a hard thing to get used to. And... Especially when you're just one one person and there's there's nobody to hand stuff off to. It's it's one reason why when I did take that Las Vegas vacation, I was really clear with myself that there was going to be nothing that was work during that time. I didn't look at any emails i didn't really look at twitter i was just trying to stay off the internet as much as practical and not do any work to just try to disengage from that for the space of a week and to to not have my brain always thinking about what should be the next thing that happens there's people waiting for the next video uh you know or or what should the next video be and it's it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to do but i think it's really important to have times when you're not focusing on work at all but and here's why it's hard to do when it's just you completely ignoring work means there will be problems that will happen when you're not looking and if you're not you have to learn to be able to accept that. And it's it's very hard. Like I, I have um 
after the the confederate video came out i was unusually exhausted because a bunch of things had all happened all at once and i decided to to take a, a longer than usual break so today is really my first day back at work i i took four days off and i was very conscious of i'm not even going to open my email during this time i'm really going to take time off from work but i guarantee you that there are problems waiting for me in that email when i get back and that that is that is a hard that is like a hard balance to to play because if you if you take off too much time those problems get big and then they can turn into costly problems and that actually happened on my my uh, trip to Las Vegas. There was a thing that occurred that if I had been able to pay attention to it at the time, I would have been able to fix. But because I wasn't paying attention to the business, there was a I don't want to go into the details, but there was a, a business problem that that cost a lot of money. And I'm I'm OK with that because that is the price of taking time off sometimes when you're self-employed and when there's nobody around to to pass the work off to that has to be the price you can't you can't assume that you're going to be on top of everything all the time and so you have to become comfortable with allowing problems to happen and and learning what kinds of problems are okay and learning what things are core to your business and that, and that you have to stay focused on. So that's, it's like a really long rambly answer about why vacations are, are difficult when it's, when it's just you and you're the only person in the business. Going back to not working on the Vegas trip, mm? whether you think it or not, your brain was working on that trip because you came home and made a video about Las Vegas. Oh well, yeah. That's why the, the Vegas trip is, is one of the worst examples I could ever do. <laughs> I, because I literally made a video about Las Vegas. However, however, uh, what I, what I want to say in my defense is that I had written almost all of the script before I went to Las Vegas. And I did that so that I could have it off my mind. I always knew that I was going to do a Las Vegas video at some point. Um, and I was in Las Vegas and just thinking ever so slightly, if I happen to come across anything that's interesting here to add to the video, I will do that. But I, 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 I did that script as much as possible before Las Vegas because I knew otherwise it'll be on my mind the whole time I'm here. And I didn't, I didn't want that to be, that to be the case. But yes, I did snap a screenshot uh, while I was in paradise to get it on the phone so that you could see it. There were one or two other little things that happened while I was there, but it really wasn't very much. I was I was pretty successful. But but that also goes to the, the what I was saying before about the core thing. Like the thing in my business that matters the most is getting videos out. And anything that is a problem that is not related to that is a problem I'd like to fix, but it doesn't necessarily take priority in what's going to happen. Something like a vacation can take priority if I'm keeping focus on the most important things are still moving forward like videos. 
This week's episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Harry's. For many of us, shaving is a pain. It's uncomfortable, it causes nicks and cuts and scrapes and razor burn, and it's also uncomfortable in the pocket as well because razor blades today are so expensive. And this is why Harry's exists. Harry's make their own blades. They're high-quality, high-performing German blades that are crafted by shaving experts. And they love the blades so much that they found themselves in a position where they just bought the whole factory that they've been using in Germany. Germany. Harry's offers really high quality razors at about half of the price of other big brand blades. They ship for free to your doorstep and they have an amazing starter set which is just $15. It will get you a razor, moisturizing shave cream or foaming shave gel and three razor blades. On average, an everyday shaver who uses Harry's will save $150 a year compared to other brands. Now this is what's quite interesting because not only are they cheaper for you to buy, but because they're cheaper then you'll change the blade over more often because that's what you should be doing because the more more frequently you change a razor blade, the better it's going to be on your skin. So that's pretty interesting, right? So that's one of the ways that they help make your shaving experience better every single day. I love the way that Harry's products look. Their razor blades look super cool. They've got this really cool retro minimalist style that I very much like. I love their aftershave moisturizer. It smells really great. It feels really great on the skin. It's super important to keep your face moisturized and Harry's helps protect mine. I use their blades and Harry's razors to keep myself looking sharp. I love their foaming shave gel as well it's kind of like this magical gel that turns into this huge foam it's really really cool you can experience a clean close comfortable shave yourself with harry's go to harry's.com right now that's h-a-r-r-y-s.com and use the code cortex and it will get you five dollars off your first purchase at checkout thank you so much to harry's for their support of this show how you doing mike i think the room's losing air now so we've spoken about like taking breaks Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those, those breaks will tend to be filled with entertainment types. Talk about video games a little bit. But what do you tend to choose to unwind with more frequently other than video games, especially for shared activities with Mrs. Gray? Like, do you guys watch movies and TV together? Like, what do you do? Yeah, we we tend to take little walks. We're in a, an area of London that is very walkable. So that's that's a nice thing to do. I think like like many couples... We, you know, we'll watch movies together or TV shows together. I feel like it's just a, it's very normal days on Saturdays because my wife has worked a full work week and she's really exhausted when the weekend rolls around. And so she also just wants to relax. And I feel the same way too. Like, oh, I want to relax as well. Like, oh boy, we have a very nice comfy couch and we will take... Yep. Great advantage of that comfy couch, and so is there's a lot of there's a lot of hanging out. Yeah, I would say that um, my girlfriend and I do a similar kind of thing. We like to watch TV shows. Like we like to pick a show that we haven't seen and like watch all of it. Like mm. recently, we did all of Friends. Oh yeah, which felt like a great achievement. Yeah, the entire thing, uh, and shows like we just have caught up with Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is a show that I very much enjoy. So we do that kind of stuff. We watch movies. And TV, but we, you know, we try and get out into London a bit as well, and like go for walks, places. Um, my better half enjoys that kind of stuff. Like we were in Hampton Court last uh, weekend, which is a mm-hmm. nice part of of uh, London. And um, when we try and do that kind of stuff, like we try and get out a little bit in there. But but mainly, I think the majority of our time is that kind of idea because she has also worked a full work week and is tired. So we you know we tr- watch like movies and TV shows and things like that together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, for you though, for your tastes, what types of movies do you tend to enjoy? Are you a comedy man, an action man? Do you like documentaries? It's very hard to find good movies and things worth watching. So I, I, I don't tend to, left to my own devices, watch a lot of stuff. But if I, things that I like tend more towards dramas. Hmm. So, so I mean, I've mentioned my favorite TV show ever. Probably the best TV show is is The Wire, which I really enjoyed. But in a more a more modern show is something like I've been watching The Walking Dead, which I like, even though season two was terribly boring. Uh, it's it's picked up. So that that kind of show is is a the thing that I would tend towards. Um. But my wife does not like those kinds of shows. So I right. tend to watch those on my own. That's great time. Yes. She watches more upbeat stuff. So we yeah. just worked our way through Arrested Development. So we watched the first three seasons of Arrested Development. and Don't watch the Netflix one. Yeah, yeah I've, I've not heard good things about it. Yeah. But, but so, she, yeah, she tends to like other stuff. I know a few years ago we worked our way through all of Voyager, which she really likes and which I think is fine, but I get hugely frustrated with inconsistencies in the star trek universe of course you do great it is it's hugely frustrating it's hugely frustrating the 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 worst thing is that i i end up knowing all of the details about the star trek stuff because while we're watching it i'll I'll be on like the star trek the the memory alpha their their wiki looking up the details of this and be like wait a minute it doesn't the the star trek universe has the same problems that comic book universes have it's just too big over Mm. too many years it can't possibly be consistent but i can't stop myself from getting frustrated with it on occasion it's not that i don't yeah i'm not saying that i don't like it but i i just there are many things i would change about star trek when i watch it i think i would change this i would change that uh so yeah that's when we're watching stuff together it tends to be lighter stuff like that um but when i'm watching stuff on my own i tend more towards dramas i feel like we have been friends for long enough that it would not surprise you when i say that i am an emotional person yeah i'm not surprised by that so i tend to like upbeat things Mm -hmm. like i like comedies and things that are simple like if if a movie is exceedingly good but it you know, I know it's going to be sad, but I know it's a good movie, then I will watch it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I like action movies as well. Uh, but I tend to like lighthearted things because stuff, movies, TV shows, books, music can have a lasting effect on me. And mm-hmm. I try to limit the effect that I allow things to have if they're not good enough, mm-hmm. right? So I, I tend not to be a big, like, drama guy but i will watch something if i know it's good enough like the wire for example mm-hmm. and uh adina she introduced me to the wire and oh a good girlfriend yeah because i had done what many people done i watched the first episode and then stopped mm-hmm. so like my advice to anybody hearing this who has not seen the wire i heartily recommend the wire except the last season of that as well and uh would say if you are interested you have to commit to the first three episodes you can't just say like i'll see what this is like and then stop if you want to start you must commit to yourself to watch the first three 
because mm-hmm. that's, in my opinion, once you get through that, it clicks because the wire starts and you have no idea what's going on because yeah. I think it's purposeful. They they take no time in trying to introduce you to characters. You have to learn the characters as it goes along and it takes a few episodes for that to click in. Yes. Yes, that's definitely the case. And I like the wire for the same reason I like many other things. It is a It is a show that is much more about a system and I love how the wire just makes no concession to the audience of explaining anything. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know what, buddy? You're just going to figure it out. Yeah. We're going to explain none of the slang. None of it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. It's like the, there, uh, there were lots of the show I had to watch with subtitles mm-hmm. to just understand what was going on. But then a lot of the time, yeah, you just kind of have to infer what is occurring by the way that people are talking to each other rather than actually trying to understand the words that they're saying. It's a very, it's a fascinating show, but you've really got to commit to it. But that's Mm -hmm. one of those things. So I knew that was going to be good. I heard always good things about it and she really, really pushed it on me. She was like, you you will like this. You have to watch this. But I try and limit that kind of stuff and I I tend to like more lighthearted things because then it's, it's, you know, it washes over me and I enjoy it rather than needing to then think about it for six weeks. Um, What about music? Do you listen to a lot of music? Like, I mean, we spoke about all day, right? But that is a functional thing. That is not like music for enjoyment. That is like a, this exists to help me do my work. You're not going to like this, but I have zero interest in music outside of its utility as a tool to accomplish other uh, things. Just none. <sighs> I, <laughs> has you always been this way? Uh, I don't think. I mean, I think as a kid, I liked music m- more. But uh, yeah, I, I just have I have no interest in music other than a, a kind of audio version of brain doping like oh th- this this sequence of sounds can put my brain in a in a mood or this sequence of sounds is associated with something or this repetitive noise is useful in this moment i just i have no interest in music in and of itself as an art form i just i don't have any appreciation for this are you able to compute any music that you like what, what do you mean like is there anything that you can say, I like this album or I like this artist? Not really. Oh, that's so interesting to me, Gray. I mean, I, I, again, I, I like that Girl Talk album, but that exists to me in the world as, as a thing that I listen to at a, at a moment. I mean, the, the, most, the most music... I ever listened to was I've done a couple of in my younger days road trips across the United States and I had long lists of music that I listened to then but even then it was as a tool for I can't listen to audiobooks for four hours a row in a row every day while I'm driving I need to break this up with something else I'm not going to break it up with silence because that will drive me even more crazy so I need something else I'm going to break it up with music but again, it was music as a as a tool. If if I was able to listen to audiobooks all day in the car or silence in the car, I would have. But so yeah, I just had I had a lot of upbeat sing along kind of songs that I listened to on on the road trips because of the of the function that they served, not because I was like, "Oh, I lo- I love this music." Mm. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. No, I know no. you have a whole podcast where you're interviewing people about music and I don't listen to that one. 
But in those scenarios, you have to make a choice, right? So, like, when you need music, even in those times, like driving across the country, you must choose something, right? What do you choose? Okay. Here, here is the way that new music comes into my life right now. Okay. Because I haven't had new music come into my life for maybe 10 years. What? Because I just didn't listen to the radio or anything. Like I had, I was aware that there was no way in which new music came into my life. I just had a collection of songs that I've been carrying around since college. And there was, there was no input into this system, which I recognize was not optimal, but I would never just listen to the radio or anything. So I signed up with Spotify so that there is a mechanism by which new music comes into my system. Or what I will often do is I will just go to like the top charts on Spotify or something and just play it randomly. And this is when I'm working. I don't know how, but but very quickly some song will, will clearly become stuck in my brain. And then I'll just loop that one for an hour or two, just that same song while I'm doing work. But again, it's a it's a totally utilitarian thing. It's it's like I'm using this music to stay focused. And that's why I, often, I don't even know who the artists are. Like I don't know mm-hmm. what song I'm listening to. I know that the the kinds of things that tend to work for me are usually like I would just say just like pop kind of songs. There's something about them that really clicks in my brain uh of just like listening to it over and over again that there's like it has a catchy hook and it has this little melody that goes along so i listen to that stuff but yeah it is i i never i never think you know what i want to do right now i want to listen to some music i almost exclusively listen to music when i am doing work uh and i'm doing work with words uh in particular otherwise i almost never listen to music i didn't think i would ever meet somebody that feels this way. It's so it's so interesting to me. I think of all of the things I know about you, this is the one that I am now the most fascinated about. It seems just so strange that you don't seem to take enjoyment from music. Like it. No, no, it's that that's the that's the wrong thing. There, it's not that I don't like music. That's that's wrong. But it's it's never an activity that I would seek out or do in isolation. I, it's always accompanying something else, and it is a, it's accompanying for, again, like like the mood modifier. <laughs> sure, I mean, but that's how I listen to music. But I still have tastes and choices, and artists and albums that I enjoy. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. This is a thing that people do. I am a music fan, and I like. I I have a very wide music taste, and and I would suggest if anybody likes music like I do and, and is not great, they should maybe try out my uh, favorite album run I'm doing on a show that I have called Inquisitive where I talk to people about their favorite albums I don't think right. people will like that and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yes, uh, that's the one that I am not listening to. Yeah, and well I'm not surprised now. Um, but I, I tend my, my tastes tend to skew towards alternative rock but I like a wide range of stuff. You know, I like rap and hip hop and R and B and swing music and uh, soul music, uh, pop. I I have a very wide range of of tastes, but I guess I kind of skew towards the independent alternative rock uh, more generally. Uh, so let's talk about video games then, so I can I can perceive you as human again. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> 
what are some of your favorite video games? Like, what are some of the stuff that you've played recently that you really, really enjoy and kind of all-time favorite stuff? Uh, or maybe just like you know, I know that I know that you tend to like simulation games. Is that the only type of video game that you enjoy? No, there's. Um, I try lots of stuff. I, I just I'm very aware that I tend to focus on these work simulator systems games right after I finish a video for a while. Like that will hold my interest for a long time and I'll play those. But I, I play I play lots of different kinds of games. Uh I, I like to try out different stuff. Um Do you tend to mainly play on PC? Do you have a console? I don't I don't have a console. I haven't had a console since as a kid I had a Super Nintendo. Oh wow. So you are a strict PC gamer. Yes, I well, I'm I am. assuming that you do all of this on your Mac though. <laughs> well yeah. I was about to say I am I'm a member of the PC Master Race, but I also play lots of games on an iPad and I'm also playing on a Mac, so maybe I'm the worst member of the PC Master Race. I don't have a console, but that's mainly because I don't have a TV to hook the console up to. I'm not opposed to consoles, I just haven't I haven't played them in years. But on the occasions when I have played modern games with consoles, I I find myself frustrated by the lack of precision input. Is I, like I just want a keyboard and a mouse hmm. to to play games, or I want the other extreme, which is games that are designed for touch on the iPad. I find the console. My limited experience has not been great with modern console games. But that's, that could just be lack of exposure. and um, Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Yeah. But um, but so I, I feel like I didn't get a definitive answer. And not because you dodged it, but I, I just think I may have missed it. You do not have a gaming PC, do you? Or do you? No, I don't, I don't have a dedicated gaming PC. Right. So it, there is no Windows machine that you're using to play video games on in your no, house? No, I have a Mac and that's right. what I play games on. Or so I do you use Steam iPad. a lot then? I have uh, just in the past year started to use Steam. So I don't have a bunch of stuff on Steam. I only have a few items there. But uh, yes, I am currently using Steam for uh, for a few things. Things worth noting on Steam that I have. I have um, City Skylines, which I highly recommend as the SimCity game that should always have been. It's very excellent. Yeah, and I uh, own that and I haven't played it yet. I started it and then stopped. I don't know why, but I bought that because I love SimCity, and the last one was an abomination. Well, EA has been... They've ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You bleep this out, Mike. EA's been shitting all over SimCity, (laughs) you know, for years in a way that I have found hugely frustrating. I want a new, modern, good SimCity for the iPad, and they will not give that to me. The last one that they did, I can't remember what they called it, build it or something was good except for the fact that you had to wait and buy and you know all the microtransaction crap but the yeah. game itself was built well but then they just ruined it ruined it completely ruined it yeah so i, I highly recommend uh city skylines very good it's everything SimCity should have been and what i think is the most delicious part of the story of that game is it is made by people who worked at ea on SimCity who got frustrated enough to leave and then made made just an amazing game yeah so it's awesome that that, it's like you know what i would buy that game twice just to support them and to give the middle finger to ea because it's a horrible company ea really is terrible they ruin everything yeah 
They're absolutely the worst. I just, based on someone's recommendation on the Reddit, I, I got a game on Steam called Mini Metro, which it's only an afternoon's worth of play, but it's it's a fun little game. Yep. It's like a, a a metro simulator. That was good. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It has a night mode, which is really nice. Prison Architect, which I mentioned before. Uh, okay, so the, now something that's a little bit different is, and very good that I recommend, is XCOM which is a um, it's a turn-based combat game. So you, you are defending the Earth against an alien invasion, but the, it's, the aliens take turns and you take turns, and you have to do it in a strategic manner of, of maneuvering around obstacles on the board and which, which order do you want to fire in. or, or all, You have a bunch of decisions to make. And it's different from other games because it's a it's a combat game, uh, and I really like that. That one is is very good. I'll go for another recommendation, which is a very different game. And I wish there were more things like this, but I'm going to highly highly recommend a game called Year Walk, which is for the iPad. Uh, it may be on other platforms, but I think you should play it on the iPad if it does exist elsewhere. And here's my recommendation for Year Walk. Don't don't read anything about it. Don't even watch the trailer for the game. This is like a like an experience that you're going to have. It's not really a traditional game. So I would say put on headphones, dedicate two hours, buy Year Walk, and just play it. And I, I found this amazing, and I wish there were more games like this, which were not necessarily games that you have to put in hundreds of hours for, but like carefully crafted experiences that that you can have as a as a player. Uh, I think it's very hard to to do this right, but Year Walk really really hits the mark uh, dead on. So I I. I I really recommend that one. That was a that was a great experience. On the other extreme, I do sometimes like really mindless stuff. Like I am looking very forward to uh, the new version of Doom, which is coming out, because I used to play just uh, many more just straight shoot 'em up games, and I haven't seen one that I like in a while. And so yeah, sometimes when I'm playing a game, I just want something that is absolutely absolutely mindless. And Doom looks like it it fits that to a T. Uh, I don't need to think about anything. I'm just going to run around and shoot a bunch of demons. And that can also be an enjoyable gaming experience. I play a lot of tower defense games on my iPad. Those are good. Kingdom Rush is very good. This has turned into the video game episode, Mike. I was not, uh, I was not prepared for this. I, I like to surprise you. So I'm more of a console gaming person. I ha- actually have all of the three. I have an oh, Xbox, yeah? a PlayStation, and a Wii U. <laughs> you must have a lot of cables going to your television. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's one of the reasons it gets so hot in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to like a couple of different types of console game. Um, I tend to like all of the first-party Nintendo stuff. I've always been a fan since I was a kid. Yeah, Nintendo's always very good. So I love, you know, all of the Mario games, the platformers, the 2D, the 3D. I love Mario Kart. Um, that that stuff for me is just always fantastic. There is a new game that Nintendo have made called Splatoon, which is a like a first person shooter, which is just a bunch of fun mm-hmm. um, because you just basically have to just spray the world with ink 
really fantastic. Love that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also tend to like big open world games. Like currently I'm playing Batman Arkham Knight. Mm-hmm. And I am loving that game. That is my current game of choice, and I'm I, I love that. And I'm very excited for a game that's coming up on PlayStation called No Man's Sky. It's also going to be on the PC, hmm. um, which is a it's a space exploration game, uh, procedural like Minecraft, mm-hmm. and it's basically they have found a way to cr- to randomly generate planets. And some of the planets are the same size scale as real planets. And they have created universes. And they're saying there's currently like quintillion planets created. <laughs> and the idea is you just... there, are, there is, It's, what, it's like, like Minecraft in the way that there is an end. But you basically just go and explore and see what you end up coming up with. It just looks incredible. I, I think people in the gaming world are really down on procedural stuff, but I think that is clearly the future of games. And procedural is very... For, the, for those who are not gamers, what this means is in, instead of a game designer uh, handcrafting a level of a game, you set up rules so that the computer can create its own areas and its own levels. But because the computer is doing it, you can do it on an infinite scale. You can never run out of levels or you can never run out of worlds. And I've seen procedural stuff done badly, but I think as time goes on, procedural gets better and better. And it's it's clearly the future of, of big games having enormous worlds uh, that, that you can explore. It's it's a very interesting, very interesting development in the gaming world. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that kind of stuff because it creates completely different types of video game where there's like, there isn't even really the need for a story anymore because you make your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think that was that was one of the big things for, for Minecraft was probably the, the biggest, most popular procedural game of you can just keep walking forever and it's going to keep creating more world around you and as you go the areas will be different and it yeah this will just never end you can spend forever in this in this area saying about that how popular it is i saw a story today that um minecraft sales have now reached 70 million copies with 20 million sold on the pc that's crazy that is crazy so yeah it's kind of popular yeah yeah <laughs> we would normally do some questions at this moment but I really, I think it's it's better for both of us if, if we stop right now. And it's better for the audience if we stop right now. Because if we keep going on, we might actually die. <laughs> just... In a moment, you're just going to hear this sound. And that's me passing out. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> listeners, thank you for the Unexpected Video Game Podcast. I hope you made it to the end. But we're going to, uh, we're going to have to go. If this episode was a little weird and a little different... You know, you know why we are both podcasting with half-baked brains. <laughs>